This is Guarding Your Nest Egg Podcast. Mike, the other day I had to run to, I don't remember if it was Family Dollar or Dollar General. There's one on every corner. Well, and I, not to, you know, disparage those two companies, but I, I think we all get those confused, Kristen. Yeah, it's all yeah. the same, w- right? Which one was I in? It's kind of the same, yep. And I noticed that they had a lot more going on in the store than they used to. And then I came home and read that discount dollar stores share of total grocery spending has been growing. At least that's according to a recent report from CoreSight Research. To gain more shoppers, the category giants of Dollar General and Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, which, by the way, owns Dollar Tree, have been adding stores and remodeling with expanded grocery offerings, including healthier foods and fresh produce. Why, you ask? People need to find a good deal, and they're trying to take advantage of that smart business tactic. It is. Have you ever gone vegetable shopping, produce shopping at uh, the um, discount store? I haven't had one near me that has produce. I mean, I get why they're doing that, because every business wants to grow, but it's really hard for them. I mean, I I think it's it's a great place for eggs, great place for milk. Yes. Great place for Lunchables. They got a lot of that stuff. Speaking (laughs) of milk, this lady came in, probably in her 70s, and said, hey, do you guys have milk in stock? And the lady goes, no, they only deliver twice a week, try to keep it fresh. She goes, when will you? And she said, Tuesday. She goes, I'll be back then. So apparently, it's a good deal. Obviously, because of what we do for a living, and if you had bought into these companies 15, 20, 30 years ago, probably a very wealthy person right now because they've done extremely well. But I was more typical grocery store or what Mm -hmm. have you, but then they built one around the corner from us. It's around every corner. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, and then suddenly, and I remember when they were building, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. no, no. Like, we need know. that here. Like, we need that. I had to, there was a street corner, and it was completely wooded, and I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. And now I'm going to get a discount store. Super handy. And it, it's turned out to be pretty handy. It works out. I mean, I get it. I get why people go there, but not a place I would go for. Groceries, uh, no. Groceries. But, but I will uh, tell you, yeah. there's a lot of rural areas and cities of mm-hmm. where fresh produce is hard to find because there's not grocery grocery stores nearby. So this will also help with that, you know. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to, yeah, inflation's high and we're all looking for good deals and looking for the right stocks and bonds, ETFs, to add to our portfolio because it looks like the market reacted positively to the recent 25 basis point rate hike from the Fed. Former Federal Reserve Governor under President Reagan, Robert Heller, predicted a double-dip recession, and he told Fox Business that the first dip already occurred in the first half of 2022. Certainly, it's not a goal of the Federal Reserve to make stocks go up. It's a byproduct that will happen, but you cannot steer the economy by the stock market. Bonds is a little bit different story. If you have an inverted yield curve, you will essentially have a precursor of a recession. This is a signal that the recession is likely to come. And we have that again at the present time, where short-term bond yields are higher than the long-term yields. And that is a pretty good indicator of a coming recession. And therefore, I stick with my double dip. I think you and this guy have been exchanging notes because I went back and looked at my notes. And, Mike, you predicted on this show as early as May 7th of 2022 that we were already in a recession. And I can pull the audio if anybody wants to be like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'll stick with it. And uh, not real familiar with Robert Heller, but 
I'd say, yeah, we do feel the same way. We talked about a recession. At that point, we did have an inverted yield curve. Lots happened since then. So now we're back in that situation with an inverted yield curve. I agree with him. It's a good indicator that we're likely to be in a recession. Right now, Kristen, if we talk about weekdays at the office, the types of conversations that we're having whether it's current clients or whether it's people that want to come kick the tires and find out more about talent, about what we think on 2023 and how people should be invested. Uh, yeah, I'd say I agree with them. I think that we're on the verge of a double dip recession. Mm. That um, sounds scarier than a regular recession. And I don't yeah, even know like the difference. It, it sounds twice as bad. Well, you know? I guess that makes the difference. It is twice as bad. <laughs> it's twice as bad. But the reality is markets don't just go up. They don't just go down. Our job as investment advisors and fiduciaries is to really just help with navigation. And to me, navigation doesn't have to be too complicated. Nobody can really time the market, but they can help people make better decisions about their investments. So if the probability due to technical indicators is that uh, a recession is very high, the next thing you want to ask yourself is, how is that going to affect my personal economy? How is it going to affect my retirement savings? Another way to put that, Kristen, is am I vulnerable to to what's likely to happen? And I think that probably too many people are vulnerable. They may not know it or they may be concerned about it. I think one of the best things that we can do by doing a, a radio show around the country is just help give people a sounding board and saying, hey, listen, I would like to find out whether or not I'm vulnerable to what might happen because... I'm retired or, or very, very close to it. And frankly, I can't afford mm-hmm. to lose another 10, 20, 30, 40%. So recession doesn't always mean the stock market's going to do terrible, but we can look at what typically happens to portfolios based on current positions if we get a pullback in the economy, because that, that's what a recession is. We're saying that we believe the economy is going to pull back. There are probably certain sectors of the economy that are likely to do worse than others. One of the most important things about an analysis of a current portfolio, whether that's a 401k or an IRA or a trust account or a joint account, is to take a close look at it and just say, all right, well, um, what is your probability of success if we define success as doing our best to avoid losses and doing our best to, to grow a portfolio, whether it's for income or just growth? So again, I, I agree, double dip recession. I agree things probably don't look great between now and the summer. So we need a plan between now and the summer, and then we're going to need a plan for after we get this recession. How are we going to move back into a market and hopefully take advantage of a more bullish market moving forward? That can all be done, Kristen, frankly, through analysis of a current portfolio. Mike, you said if someone called today, sit down with them, get to know them, their goals, and talk about their numbers, do an analysis, have them come back, present the plan. If they like it, implement the plan. And then in the summer, probably look at a different plan. Does that mean that, just hypothetically, let's pretend I'm this pretend person. I have to come back in in the summer and we have to redo everything? I guess redo is kind of a strong word. So uh, one of the things that we're working on all the time is we'll never understand markets fully. But again, we just want to make more informed decisions. So to us, it doesn't look like the economy is going to be growing. It looks like the economy is going to be pulling back, again, a recession. To us, it doesn't look like uh, the stock market is likely to do well. And it's not that we don't like the stock market. Obviously, 
You know, we're looking to help clients make money there. It's pretty much what you're looking at all day, every day, but, by the way. Pretty much all day, every day. <laughs> but if you're active in the management of your clients' portfolios, and if your clients are retired or close to it, what we know is that our clients, they certainly want the highest return that they can get. Mm-hmm. They're just not willing to take a ton of risk to get there. So our belief is that hanging there just doesn't work very well, because then you have to hang in there for the good years and the bad years. We'd rather come up with a plan to help navigate that. So maybe you miss out on a portion of the upside, but maybe you also miss out on the majority of the downside. And it's just a, it's just a predictable income stream moving forward without using things like annuities that just spin down your principal. We want to help you maintain your principal and get an income stream. And if there's a little icing on the top of that cake, it's maintain your principal, get an income stream, but then also grow your principal over time because of things like inflation. So going back to where are we at? Well, we think we're going to get a, a pullback here. So we want to be more conservative or even be invested in things that are likely to go up if the markets go down. And we get a lot of calls from people saying, well, hey, listen, nobody's ever had a conversation with me about investments that do that. Or I'll mention inverse. Inverse just means it's going to move in the opposite direction of the market. If the markets are going down, obviously you'd benefit from an inverse position because you would be going up. But But there are too many people that are invested in the market or they're working with an advisor that has more of a hang in their approach, or maybe they don't use inverse investments and they just feel kind of lost right now because there's really no guidance in this bad market. But back to if we're right, which we think there'll be a pullback sometime between now and I'm, I'm throwing something out there like summer. It doesn't mean I'm right. It just means that that just it's I, I seem like it was possible. But once we do see a big pullback, then we want to be prepared to pivot over to more traditional portfolios that go up when markets go up. So we think we're going to see a pullback in the, uh, in the economy and then also in markets, but then we're going to get an opportunity to move back into more traditional investments. And to us at Talent Wealth, that's what active management is about. It's about worrying about these ups and downs in markets so clients don't have to, and it's also doing our best to navigate it. And making everybody aware of the options. Goodness knows you've been preaching that for many years. And you can find out more about those options at guardingyournestegg.com. When someone leaves a job for whatever reason, I mean, there's a few things we all do. And I've had to leave a few jobs in my day in the radio world. You know, you put any pictures or personal items from your workspace in a box. You say goodbye to the coworkers you'll miss and Mm -hmm. politely try to not say anything to the ones you're not going to miss, but make your way towards the exit and head on about your business. However, according to Go Banking Rates, there have been more than 24 million forgotten 401k accounts left behind by employees when they leave a job. Is it really that big of a deal to leave that money alone for a while? I mean, it's not like the former employer can or is going to take it or anything. Yeah, they won't take it. But I I think for most people, particularly when you're leaving a job, I mean, you just gave a great image, right? It's kind of a tough day, maybe, or maybe it's a great day, but you got this box with a stapler in it and some pictures and either way, you're not going on the future of my retirement. You know, you're focused on that moment. It's just human nature to move on to the second job and want to forget about the the job before. Part of that is the retirement plan you had at that uh, workplace. And for or, a lot of people, that's going to be the 401k. Yeah. If people retire, I think sometimes, you know, they're like, okay, I've got the 401k. I don't need to do anything with it. I'm retiring. I'm heading to the house. I think it could go that way, too. You know, part of it's about retirement or changing jobs, but it's really more about the 401k itself mm. and doing an analogy of 
what are the benefits of a 401k versus the other investment options that I have? And I think, first of all, I think a lot of people don't necessarily, they just weren't giving enough information on how a 401k works. So let's just start with the basics. A lot of employers like to offer 401ks. Mm-hmm. Because they feel like it makes their employees kind of sticky, right? So if, if a company's going to invest in you and train you and do all of this, they don't want you to just turn around after getting trained and after being a valuable employee and just say, hey, you know, I take this job and shove it. I'm going to go somewhere else. And so yeah. employers are trying to do things like 401ks and health care and more or less just make it a little more complicated to leave. Not that you couldn't, but right. try to make you entice um, you to stay, entice you to stay, not trap you. You sound, like, you. you sound like they're yeah. trying to trap us in a little room or something. <laughs> I mean, listen, do they want to give away a bunch of money and, and you know, matching? No, or are they trying true. to get you to stay? You know, But it is what it is. And then so it's an easy way to set money aside for retirement. And then if um, they're giving any kind of a match, that's free money. So we always encourage people to participate in their employer 401k when there's a match. If there's not a match, then we should probably review that 401k and all of the options. But it's an easy way to invest. If there's a match, that's great for as long as you're working for that company. I mean, those are the primary benefits. After that, we look at potential problems with 401ks or just cons to the 401ks. They're typically pretty expensive. Not all of them are expensive, but 401ks are going to have an administrator. 401ks are going to have planned costs. I mean, there's going to be a lot that's built into it. And Frankly, if they read the fine print, it's hard to find, but they're typically pretty expensive. They typically have very limited investment options. And this is why, whether it's you know one of our listeners or, or someone else, most of them can identify with what we would refer to as a target date fund. It's the 2025 fund or the 2030 or the 2035. Usually they give you a sort of menu of those and a few other options, but it's not a lot of options. And that's one of the problems. Another issue is there's typically no guidance. The employer isn't typically hiring a financial advisor to help the employee make the best decisions when it comes to the 401k. So there's a lot going on there, but getting back to this number of 24 million forgotten 401ks out there, well, forgotten to me means that uh, we sort of refer to them as orphaned 401ks, right? Oh, or forgotten. Yeah, that's right. Those poor thing. little poor little orphans. See, I was um, doing forgotten. Forgotten, is, forgotten sounds harsh. It's you know, they're but, in the little um, tiny room alone again. They are. They're they're alone. Plus, um, but what's the issue with your 401k being alone? Well, if it's alone, you're potentially stuck in an account that has higher fees than you should be paying. Limited investment options when you could have almost unlimited investment options. And it's just not being looked after. It's just literally going to be hanging their portfolio. And chances are it didn't do very well in 2022 if you weren't watching after it because stocks did bad and bonds did bad. And so I think our biggest thing, Kristen, is, you know, through this show, if we can just make people aware and create an awareness for if these 24 million forgotten 401ks are out there, you should probably be doing something with them. We could have a conversation about them. We can take a look at benefits of the current plan versus other investment options that are available. But the one common theme for the majority of 401ks out there is if you don't work for that company anymore, whether it was retirement or some other reason, you can do a lot with it. I mean, there's not a penalty to move it to a privately managed account in most cases or just move it to a Vanguard or somebody in IRA. But I I think you would want to reduce fees on it. You would certainly not want your investment options to be limited. 
And if you could find a way to get higher returns and less risk, obviously that's going to be beneficial. But let's not forget about all of those 401ks out there that have been forgotten. You know, Mike, there's a part of me that thought about not bringing this up, but I also know how important it is to discuss situations like this so that others can know that it's not just them that are going Mm -hmm. through something and they're not alone in that process and hopefully even take something away. So our team recently sat down with a very nice lady who unfortunately lost her husband just weeks ago. And their children are adults and have been living their own lives, as they should. As is common in many households, her husband managed all of the assets they accumulated together throughout their careers. But what I thought was very loving is that one of the kids wanted to at least be on the phone with mom during the appointment with one of our advisors. And Mm -hmm. you know what? If I was one of those kids, I would probably do the same thing. Well, I would too, and, and honestly, I would recommend it. So there's a saying that you shouldn't make any major decisions for the first year mm-hmm. right after something like that happens. The reality is the majority of us aren't going to have the luxury of passing away with our spouses on the exact same time. Exactly. Right? Now, we do see these situations quite a bit because it just – traditional is a word that it's almost like people don't like anymore, you know, sort of traditional relationships. Mm. I like traditional relationships. I do too. I don't think there's anything wrong with being more traditional, just like there's nothing wrong with people who aren't more traditional. But right. the point is, historically, there have been roles that a husband and wife play. And it's not the same for every household. I of mean, there's nobody's saying that. But I think the reality is, is not everybody can do everything all the time. And you're kind of wasting time if both of you are doing it. I grew up that way. My mother had certain responsibilities. My father had certain responsibilities. Well, your right? father was an accountant, so I would imagine he took care of the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the budgeting just, of the house and everything. Yeah. It just worked, right? Yes. Uh, Katie and I are the same way. You know, she has certain responsibilities. I have certain mm-hmm. responsibilities. It's not that we never argue about those responsibilities. It's just that they are what they are. In this case, because her husband had passed away, well, you know, she feels a little bit lost. Because she's so, never taken care of it. Obviously, money is important. And then when you start talking about how much money you have and how it relates to retirement and am I going to run out and she was I never had to worry about this before but suddenly now I'm forced to worry about it yeah it makes a lot of sense for one of the children to sit down I, I mean I would I'd mm-hmm. want to sit down and make sure that I have um, the advisor wasn't you know some scoundrel mm-hmm. you know who knows with my parents if I was in that I mean I'm not really because I'm an advisor but if I was ever in that situation then I would want to make sure so it makes sense. But there's a learning curve, and she's going to have to get brought up to speed pretty quickly. She's going to need some reassurances. So our process is going to be to sit down. We'll start from the beginning. We'll explain what's been going on, how we did things, why we did things. She's going to have some questions because she hasn't done it before. So we'll walk her through that pretty slowly. Kristen, we've been doing this a long time. So for people that have those questions, you know, we very purposefully don't have a conversation that's over their head. They probably don't have the type of background that we do when it comes to investing in finance. So probably wouldn't be you, calling if they did. It also it, it makes people uncomfortable, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have a conversation about them, about what's important, explain to them their investments, how they work. They may not be real interested in getting way into the weeds, you know, on, on everything. Yeah. But most people just want to know, am I going to be okay? And then they need somebody that they're confident in to take care of that for them. Her husband had been the one to tell her everything was okay. And now she's seeking insight from someone else. And and it makes me wonder, Mike, do you 
encourage clients to come in if they're married together as a couple because of this? Or is it that traditional, well, the husband goes down to see the advisor and check in and see how things are going? I mean, let's face the facts. I mean, that's not the situation for everyone, but chances are if you're a husband and wife, the husband is going to pass away before the wife does. Statistically uh, speaking. Right. So I prefer that both decision makers are there when we're having conversations about investing and futures and, and all of that. Doesn't always happen. You know, this conversation brings up something else that happens quite a bit. We get quite a few people call into the radio show and it's the husband's side of it. And he's saying, listen, I've been taking care of this for my wife ever since we've been together and she trusts me to take care of it. But I want to start a relationship with somebody that I trust in case I pass away before she does. Mm. So I can tell her, you know, what I'm comfortable with. And, and so this has happened over the years. I don't know how many times, Kristen. Mike, thanks for the relationship. Let's work together. Not because I can't do it myself, but because I want this to be an existing relationship in case something happens to me. And I want her to know you. Again, yeah. it's about the husband wanting the wife to be okay. And that's yeah, just the traditional roles. And it doesn't mean that the wife isn't sometimes better with uh, dollars and cents. It's just making sure someone you love is going to be all right is kind yeah. of important. And the realization of our own mortality. Yes, you know, like we, we can't control it. So if something were to happen to me, I need to put some plans, take some steps so that even if I'm gone, at least ahead of time, I was comfortable you know, about what the reality was going to be for my spouse. If you're in a situation like that, or a loved one is, or if maybe the two of you are not on the same page as husband and wife, and you'd like to have a financial plan with a team of advisors from that perspective, reach out anytime at guardingyournestag.com. As we wrap up, Mike, I wanted to go down memory lane and look to the future at the same time. I remember when crypto was... I was, was going to say, was I wearing tube socks? And a no, not that far back. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> but I remember when crypto was the new financial buzz. A lot of people jumped straight in headfirst. I came to you and you said, you know, it's interesting, but it's a little too speculative. Okay. And it mm -hmm. climbed for a good while. And like many markets, eventually that bubble burst. In the past, you've also said, though, that crypto is too unregulated and risky to invest for retirement. But... People have some play money set aside sometimes, and if they do and can afford to play with their favorite individual stocks, day trade, or playing with crypto, that's fine, as long as it's not part of their retirement income plan. Mm -hmm. But you've also said that a digital oh, currency is likely yeah. to be part of the future in some fashion, because everything, including forms of payment, naturally evolves. Well... The UK is looking more seriously into creating a digital pound issued by the Bank of England. The name they've toyed around with is Britcoin. <laughs> it's not official. The Bank of England has stressed that the potential currency should never like be it. confused with things like Bitcoin, though. You know, that's yeah, what they're worried Bitcoin, about. Yeah, that's true. But I like the sense of humor, you know. Yeah. It kind of so I don't know that British people love it when people call them Brits. You would know but, your grandmother immigrated from England. So. Well, this is this is why I can say things. Okay. <laughs> so you know, what you're actually aren't. saying is they <laughs> don't like it. I'm actually saying it. When you start shortening names, the Brits. It's, it just it's almost like you know it starts <laughs> offending people. So, but I do like Britcoin. That's kind of cool. Brit but I get fun. the. Uh, 
Yeah, it's funny. You were going through all the things that I've said, and thanks for not going through everything I've said. <laughs> and, you know, but that's just a few. But yeah, I, I do think, and I'm not surprised. It's th- this uh, digital currency makes sense. They just say they're like, going to keep cash, but it's something yeah, they're looking it'll, into. It'll phase out. I mean, you know, it's just easier. It makes sense. People just don't trust it. And yeah, I, I, investing in digital currency for retirement. It's kind of like penny stocks. I mean, mm-hmm. we, I used to think of the brokerage days, like pink slips and penny stocks. And, you know, it, it's just highly volatile. and doesn't make a ton of – I mean, you might make a ton of money. You might also lose a ton of money. So you, you just can't do that with people's retirement accounts. But if you've got some money on the side, great. What it all boils down to, Kristen, is, is we all need to find our own way. We're all going to have different risk tolerances. But if you are retired or very close to it, these are specifically the individuals that we focus on because we know you want the highest return. We know you want to retire and stay that way. We know you need income. We know you need growth. And we know volatility or huge market losses is just a a huge concern. At the same time, there's all these people pushing products on you. We joke about annuities on the show because we're not fans, you know, but that's just because we're not fans compared to other investment options. So if these salespeople would take two seconds to not try to get a commission and actually work on your behalf as a fiduciary, I just don't believe that you would wind up with an annuity. All of that being said, everybody's situation is unique and all of our listeners are individuals, just like our clients are individuals. What we do is we sit down and we put together comprehensive financial plans for you, either as a family or as an individual, and it's designed to help you retire and stay that way. Join the conversation now at guardingyournestegg.com. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Talon Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Talon Private Wealth and this station are not affiliated. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Discussions and answers to questions do not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice, but are limited to the dissemination of general information. The information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or advisory services. Be sure to consult with a tax professional before implementing any investment strategy. Florida license D056341. California license 0N00828. Talon Wealth is the official wealth management team of the Florida Gators. Compensation was paid to Learfield for partnership with the Gators as of January 2023.